2: Mentally yours from L and End of Death Uh Focus on your mental health,
1: you surely won't regret it mentally, 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 mentally yours, mentally yours, mentally yours. yours. Welcome to mentally yours, Metro.cody K's weekly podcast about all things mental health. My name's Ellen, and today we're talking to Lauren Brown. Lauren suffers from dermatillomania, which is essentially the name for compulsive skin picking. She's written a book all about it called Hands, An Anxious Mind Unpicked, out in January. We'll be talking with her about that today. I think we'll just dive straight in and just say, you've written a book about your mental health and specifically about skin picking can you talk to us about how that started for you? When did you begin picking? And then when did you realise that that had become a kind of a real life affecting issue?
2: Mm, Well, thanks for having me, first of all, it's really lovely to be here. Um, Yeah, so it started, I think, about three or four years ago, that's when it started kind of becoming a life affecting thing for me. I would just left university, and I'd moved straight to London. So I had my Last exam on a Friday and I moved to London on the Monday. (laughs) So it was very quick Um, and I moved in with, you know, it was classic spare room set up like with strangers. And I think at the time I was kind of in survival mode. You're thinking, you know, I want this to work. I want to make this work. You know, London's the kind of dream. So I think I was putting a lot of pressure on myself when really as the weeks went by, I was feeling quite lonely. I was feeling quite isolated. And I think it was those kind of pressures that made me turn to skin picking. It's funny because it happened so gradually. I couldn't pinpoint an exact moment. It's one of those behaviors that you you kind of do when you're a teenager, you know, like people pick their spots and you don't really think too much of it. And it was kind of a similar thing where it just started off as like, just, you know, you're out just picking your spots when they come up to becoming more um, like focused and compulsive, I guess, where it would get to the point where I was picking when there wasn't anything there, I was just picking the skin, you know? So it's almost like it just went out of control basically. And yeah, so about three years ago is when it got really, really bad.
1: So had you experienced kind of anxiety before and did you have other not coping mechanisms, but other ways of showing that you were experiencing anxiety?
2: Yeah so like I've had anxiety and depression for pretty much as long as I can remember really or like <laughs> since I was a teenager certainly but um, I've always just had like little weird quirks or like it used to kind of escape in different ways you know and I think it was only on reflecting about my picking because it's just one of those behaviors where you're like where on earth does that come from like never would I have predicted that this would become such an enormous part of my life but it was kind of on reflecting about the picking that like all of these other kind of small behaviors that I didn't really necessarily think much of at the time started kind of taking on a new light or I started realizing like, wait a minute, like there's a bit of a, a trend through the years here. So, you know, I've always, for example, like bitten my nails, like right down to the quick, like ever since I was little, like I would do that. You know, I had this thing with my teeth where I'd like force myself to like press down on my teeth really hard as if like, I don't know, I even know what that one was about, really. <laughs> but just, like, little things, like, that way you just, like, you look back and you think, that is a very strange thing to do. But I think looking back, it's, like, almost like a self-soothing thing. I thought if I do it now, then it won't hurt later. Like, so I, I had issues like with my teeth because I drank too much fizzy pop when I was little. And <laughs> so, like, if I had, like, a sore tooth, I'd, like, press down really hard on it because I'm like, if it hurts now then I'll be ready for when it hurts later. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's almost like preempting, like the eventuality that I was worried about. So lots of little Mm -hmm. things like that, which I go into in the book, where it's just this kind of maze of strange behaviours, which like all taken together, you're like, things start to make a bit more sense, you know?
1: So what prompted the kind of period where you went, okay, let me actually look into this a bit more and... Mm -hmm. made you kind of reflect back on what was happening
2: so I was in like I say I was in London for that year and during Mm -hmm. that time I started having like therapy with this local charity like I was really lucky like I think somebody must have dropped out because you know when you're told the waiting list is going to be so long whereas actually I heard from them like within a couple of months so I started seeing this really amazing therapist and all of a sudden one week when I was about to leave my session. I was like, do you mind if I just take five minutes just to calm down? Because down the down the little hallway, it was only in a little community centre, like this little rundown building, down the hallway from the room where I had the therapy, there was like a little toilet, just like an individual cubicle. And there was a little mirror, like really tattered little mirror, like you could barely see in it, it was so cloudy, above the toilet. And I'd started after the sessions, instead of going straight and getting my train, I'd like almost compulsively go into that little bathroom and just spend like 20 minutes just like looking in the mirror, picking at my face. And mm. I was like, where's this come from? I, you know, I hadn't recognized the behaviour at home, even though I had been doing it at home. And I just thought that's this is so weird. And I said to the I said to her, I was just like, I can't leave yet. Cause I know I'm gonna go down the corridor and just lock myself in that bathroom for however long. Like, do you mind if I stay and calm down a bit? And I think that was the first time I realized, like, huh, like this has become this weird habit that like I'm using to kind of escape my emotions or using to kind of Mm. zone out for a bit because I think the sessions had been so intense obviously like after the hour it was almost like a play a way of just completely zoning out and like numbing out um and
1: that's kind of what it became essentially like over the like
2: ensuing months I realized it was an issue
1: how did the therapist respond did they kind of immediately go like oh that's dermatillomania
2: um not necessarily she didn't I mean that it's funny because I'd kind of been googling at this stage
0: mm-hmm.
2: like thinking, you know, typing in like skin picking, please like how self help or how to stop picking my skin so i't I was already kind of familiar with the word, but I don't know if I was like in denial. I just thought, oh well, it's not that bad, you know, it's not mm-hmm. to that extent. so that word was kind of already in my like I don't know, I guess like background vocabulary, but I wasn't really thinking about it, but she the the therapist kind of said, yeah, I've, I've noticed that you know, as we've been talking, you've been like running your fingers along your face and your shoulders. And like, I'd very often have to like, you know, you know, in therapy, like rooms, they often have like a really beautiful like toy box full of fiddly things. Yeah. <laughs> I'd always be like squeezing something or destroying something with my hands through the whole session. She was like, yeah, you do seem like a bit restless, which was probably a bit of an understatement, but she was very kind about it. And she just said, yeah, of course, like we can take five minutes to just calm down. And then like over the weeks, we started talking about it more explicitly which kind of brought it home to me that like all right like this is actually a problem I can't keep pretending that it's you know I'm in control and it's all fine like it was getting to the point where I was having to like leave my my desk where I was working at the time to like go into the bathroom and like do it you know I'd be sitting at my desk and the urge would just take over and I'd have to go and just have a bathroom break and just sit in the work toilets doing it So, yeah, it was around that time, really, that I started realising, like, something's a bit amiss here.
1: (laughs) I think one thing that people who haven't had experience of kind of skin picking don't realise is how much of a compulsion it is. It's not really Mm -hmm. like, you're not really, you can be unaware that you're doing it, but you're definitely not choosing actively to do it. Can you talk a little bit more about what it feels like when you have that compulsion to pick and why it isn't just Mm -hmm. something that you can go, oh, I just won't do that easy.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, it almost feels like it straddles the line between like a compulsion and like an addiction. Because for Mm -hmm. me, it's like, it gives you like a rush. Like you get uh, almost like a high from it, which like people are just like, how like, I don't understand that whatsoever. You know, it's not like alcohol or drugs where there's some kind of like, you know, psychosomatic like chemistry going on. But I mean, Mm -hmm. I suppose there is because it gives you a kind of rush of serotonin where it's I know it sounds really awful and like sorry to be graphic but like when like a spot pops or whatever it's almost Mm. like a rush of like adrenaline and I think yeah it was just giving me that like little little high that I needed to kind of get through the day so that was that's kind of an aspect of it but also I think it's very much something that you get lost in like you'll start and just you know you don't tell yourself oh I'm gonna go and do it for an hour you'll just say oh well I've got the urge I can feel it building up and building up and I'm not going to be able to ignore it so if I just do it once I'll just get a bit of that tension out whereas obviously it doesn't end up being just once and it ends up being you know for longer and longer so it's just a kind of incremental thing and I think that's what people don't really understand it's like you don't just go from not doing it to thinking you know what I'm a bit stressed today and you know I think might help Mm -hmm. having a bit of a pick (laughs) like it doesn't you know it's not like that because that just logically just doesn't track from A to B but actually it's a very like slow burn I guess and yeah it's just a way of kind of yeah self-soothing I guess a way of just like getting lost in an activity um and just kind of your thoughts going somewhere else and you're just not
1: fully present if that makes sense. So how have you found kind of What's the treatment been for this? How have you managed to kind of get more in control of dermatillomania?
2: Um, that is an ongoing process. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, did, I had CBT over in lockdown, like at the start of lockdown, I had CBT. And honestly, like it's it's quite funny, some of the stuff you end up trying, because obviously it's a way of um, trying to give you like techniques, like arm you with techniques for when that urge hits, what, what are you going to do instead of just indulging it? Are there other ways of delaying that of you know interrupting that cycle of thought and that kind of thing so like some of them it was actually like because for me it's in the bathroom and in like the shower and stuff that I, it's really really bad so you know I've tried showering in the dark which is has had mixed results um I've you know showered with sunglasses on which was not as stylish as you would imagine. I haven't
1: heard that technique before but (laughs) I like it that's quite smart
2: yeah I mean it was quite funky I was like you know my poor boyfriend was having to kind of like because part of it was him you know coming into the bathroom with me and stuff to help me like to stop me doing it basically and he Mm must have just what it must have been gone through his head (laughs) as he saw me like showering with sunglasses on but just loads of different things like that of basically just trying to like basically put like an obstacle in the way Of the process Mm -hmm. to just kind of like if you can delay it even for a minute you can almost like stop your mind tumbling into that place you know because you can feel yourself almost like slipping into it and it's kind of snapping yourself out of it um so yeah cbt is one of the main things um like cognitive behavioral therapy which essentially just tries to give you techniques for dealing with the issue rather than going back um like other forms of therapy and like tracing it and stuff like that Mm. like through memories and through like traumas and things like that it just tries to deal with the behavior as it stands right now um but I think I almost ended up kind of slowly therapizing myself over the years of trying to understand like where it's come from and I think that's kind of where the book has come from really of just like me trying to join all the dots together and work out where on earth this crazy behavior has come from (laughs)
1: Talk to us a bit about the book and what made you want to write it and put it out into the world?
2: Oh, so it's kind of like two pronged, really. So part of it was as part of my CBT, you're encouraged to keep like a diary and like, you know, journaling can really help with all manner of mental health issues. Like it's just a really like therapeutic, lovely thing to do, I think. Um, So that was part of it. So I'd already started like writing down reflections and just thoughts that I was having about it. But obviously I didn't think that it didn't cross my mind that any of that like drivel would be publishable or in any way <laughs> like a book. <laughs> but so I'd kind of started writing about it. So I guess it kind of started there. But then there was this I, I was made redundant in August of 2020. So like just in the middle mm-hmm. of the pandemic. And I'd gone freelance for the first time and you know, I was looking around for different writing jobs and little things here and there that I might try. And there was one and it was like right about a ma- it was like a, a competition in a magazine and it was like write about a, a memory of like a place that's really distinct um and for of a really like i'm not explaining this very well it was like a place and a time that really stands out to you in your memory mm. so i wrote about um i start i wrote this like 400 word thing about caravan parks in like the early 2000s <laughs> because that was like Love. a huge part of my childhood and just like so much nostalgia so i wrote that and then all of a sudden like loads of other memories started coming out and I just started writing them down and then it kind of just ended up weaving into this like bigger narrative about my picking and it honestly people are like how did you write the book like what was your thought process I feel like it just happened (laughs) like I feel like I just writing for me is a a way of entering that like third space that like my picking takes me to where you're like you let your subconscious come forward and like your kind of worries and your anxiety all kind of gets pushed down, and you just enter this like mm. third space. And I feel like, like writing is fr- almost the a way of like, state, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Of just like actually just letting your subconscious take control for a little bit
0: mm. and just
2: see what happens. um So yeah, that's a very badly explained, long-winded explanation. But it kind of was just loads of different things coming together, and it started to take this shape. And I just kind of kept going, really. Um, and this book popped out <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was not a bad explanation at all it also made me oh, um remember how much I used to love caravans and be really jealous of like oh my god families who I had caravans they, just, like, <laughs> for me,
2: they still remain at, like the height of luxury I just think it's so yes uh, so compact when it's raining outside you can mm-hmm. hear the rain on the tin just like what more could you want a little fireplace a bit of scrabble beautiful
1: one hundred percent. My grandparents used to have a caravan that they never took anywhere. It just lived in their back garden, and whenever love I went out to visit, I would deliberately sleep there rather than in the bed because I was like, "Oh, this is so cozy and cute." Um, so yeah, you very much relate to that. <laughs> it was it was a real treat. Yeah. Um, but back to back to non-caravan matters. <laughs> so, did you find <laughs> writing the book um, therapeutic in a way? Was it a way for you to kind of process your own experiences?
2: Yeah I think so and I think what was really lovely about it for me and I hope you know readers will find this as well is that it's not all like doom and gloom in the way that when you're in your worst moment you think it might be like actually when I was going through these memories yeah there's these kinds of signs of like anxiety and stuff like that but oftentimes it's quite funny and it's quite you know joyful and you know they're not all bad memories it's all kind of tangled up together you know Um, and it just gave me that you know that sense of a lot of the times i'll find myself lamenting the fact that i'm in this position where i can't stop picking and it's just the worst mm-hmm. thing and you, you get feel kind of hopeless but actually when you take it together with all the rest of your experiences and you know i wouldn't change anything because it it's the person i am now you know mm-hmm. and it's quite cliché to say but all of these these crazy strange behaviors and like even the picking has come to kind of form the person that i am today and like that's something to be celebrated i think um so yeah it kind of it definitely did help me come to terms with the fact that like i don't need to be constantly trying to like necessarily escape these things Mm. um obviously i want to stop picking and i want to stop the compulsive behavior but it doesn't feel like the end of the world anymore um which felt quite huge for me
1: (laughs) Well, that I was going to ask, was there like a big kind of revelation that you had um, through the process of it? But I think that that's a fantastic revelation that like, as like you say, it sounds cliche and corny, but like that you're OK as you are. Like, that's fine.
2: Like when I was writing the book and hope, you, you can read this in, in the final chapter where, you know, you're trying to come to an end. And I was, I was really hoping as I was writing it, I was like, I'm going to stop picking so that the final mm-hmm. chapter can be this like, great overcoming story um you know no spoilers but that kind of didn't happen um but I think the conclusion that I ended up coming to like for, with myself within myself and like within this the book too is a bit more like nuanced and complex than that but I think ultimately it's more meaningful and more rewarding I hope than that um so you know I think it is more complicated and as I set out I was really hoping from the beginning right I'm going to stop picking and that's going to be my kind of story of like overcoming but
1: Mm. life gets
2: in the way of things like that
1: (laughs) not to completely like spoil the ending of your book and obviously anyone listening should absolutely buy it but where are you now with skin picking what's your relationship with it like
2: um it's still very much up and down like I'm still struggling Mm -hmm. with it um you know I'm way more aware of like my triggers and the things that kind of set me off so I can offset them but as with all recoveries it's not linear you know I'll have Mm -hmm. good streaks of not doing it for a a good few days and then I have one really bad day or something will set me off and you know but the the gaps between the picking sessions I suppose are getting longer and longer and I'm just kind of trying to focus on that really because you know it isn't as simple as just stopping as as beautiful and welcome as that would be (laughs) I would love Mm. it to be so simple and you do have days where you think oh my god I've stopped and I have these mini celebrations in my head where I'm like I have did it it's amazing but then you know it happens again and you just have to keep overcoming every time (laughs) it's quite exhausting to be honest but you know that's recovery for you I suppose
1: yeah and I think it is important to celebrate those small wins even as you say Mm -hmm. like it continues it isn't as easy as just like one and done but I do think it's important Mm -hmm. to go like recognize that like you say the space between the sessions is getting Mm -hmm. longer that's really impressive I feel
2: like you can kind of put all of your hopes in this future event of like non-picking or not doing it like ultimately all you ever have is the present moment and I think you know it's just I appreciate in the times when you're not doing it And I'm getting better at that, you know, instead of just thinking, oh, my God, you know, I had this amazing clean slate and I completely ruined it by having by like having a little relapse. Actually, it's not as kind of simple as
1: that. I think one thing that's tricky about recovery from dermatillomania as well is that Mm. there's evidence of when you do relapse or when you do mess up, you know, Mm -hmm. and especially... um, (laughs) <laughs> there, there can be a lot of shame involved around people seeing that evidence. How do yeah. you deal with that? And also, I think related to that, how do you deal with the fact that people are going to read this book and kind of have your worst bits exposed and readable for the masses?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because everyone keeps saying to me, like, oh, it's so brave, or like, oh my God, I can't believe you share and stuff like that. But I think my whole point is like, the more people I talk to about it and the more people I hear from like we all have these like slightly quote-unquote shameful behaviors that we wish Mm. we didn't have um and I feel like being a person is just like being a mess (laughs) you know yes and it actually doesn't bother me like sharing it because I feel like I know that I'm not alone in doing some of these things fair enough like my dermatillomania is quite an extreme example of kind of you know these behaviors taken to an absolute extreme but it seems to me you know we've all got these things that we're embarrassed about and actually if we were just a bit more open about it with each other one we could have a laugh about it because it is really weird being a person <laughs> and trying to like be <laughs> coherent but also just like it, you know I'm, I've always been quite open about these things anyway so I'm, I'm not super worried about people knowing mm. about it I mean like you say if they see me and I don't have any makeup on or whatever it's kind of obvious I mean I mm. do get kind of looks in the street and a lot of the message boards online and stuff especially in America actually um people are saying oh people think I'm like a drug addict or mm. you know like people make assumptions because they see your skin and they think oh my god like something's wrong with this person because it's not necessarily like if you saw me you wouldn't think oh that's acne because it's mainly like scabs and like mm. wounds you know what I mean it's not like you know actual spots are there because if there were spots there I'd be at them straight away you know yeah. so I think you can probably tell from looking at me when I don't have loads of makeup on that there is kind of something a bit up anyway but I'm you know I'm not ashamed of it I'm not proud of it either don't get me wrong but I don't think the opposite of being proud is being ashamed like Mm. it is what it is you know and I think just by accepting it and being open about it hopefully other people can feel less ashamed or like feel less embarrassed because that's the last thing you need when you're suffering from something like this and you get it from yourself in your own head. You know, I mean, I have I have days where I'm thinking I don't want to go to this party or I don't want to go out because I've had a really, my skin's really bad. Um, mm. But, you know, I wear makeup and most of my friends know about it at the minute anyway and would never say anything negative in any case. So I think, yeah, I mean, the the main way I deal with it, I suppose, is like I wear makeup. I like doing myself up like I always have done. Um But yeah, I mean, there are days like it does make you not want to leave the house when it's especially bad. But I've got like my friends and my family to kind of tell me to just put a bit of lipstick on and get out. (laughs) But I think not keeping it to yourself and not holding it in is like, it's helped me. Yeah,
1: I think you're right. Speaking more about it will hopefully get to a point where I think, you know what you said about some people thinking, that people with dermatillomania that are drug addicts or there's something really wrong if we get more mm. awareness out there it might be that they go oh wait that could be dermatillomania <laughs> like they might actually be familiar yeah, exactly. with it which would be really powerful and I
2: also think for people not with dermatillomania but you know skin not being perfect I think it's just mm. good to talk about these things I think especially at the moment we've got this kind of like clean eating like clean perfect skin it's like the ideal thing to have like perfect skin but like yeah. everyone skin isn't perfect like that you know and I think it's coming to terms with the fact that like skin has a texture you're going to get blemishes every now and then and just like it's okay to just have like normal human skin and not the skin of like a beautiful porcelain doll
1: (laughs) completely co-sign that message it's fantastic sometimes (laughs) I think about like I don't know if you've ever been on like these Instagram accounts that are like celeb face and they like zoom in on celebrity skin and it's just showing like oh they do have pores isn't it it's yeah yeah, completely obsessive but it's fascinating
2: you know and that's what I'm kind of trying to come to terms with of just like I think a lot of people who do suffer with dermatillomania it's like a self like a correcting thing so they think oh there's a bump there if I like pick it or correct it I'll have smooth skin afterwards and that's like a, a big motivation for a lot of people I think doing it um whereas obviously that's counterproductive because it's obviously going to make more of a mark than the mark that was there. And I think ultimately, like the way of overcoming that is just accepting that skin isn't meant to be yeah. completely flat or completely surfaceless. You know, it's
1: a living oh, God, organism. Honestly, it's a organ. Honestly, there's like, so it's many things as well, because <laughs> there's so much like pimple popping content now that I feel like people see a pore. And they're like, oh, that's a blackhead. will squeeze it. It's like, no, that's just a normal pore. Yeah, oh my God, it. so
2: true. And this is my problem of like being a skin picker because every pore is a goal, you know? It's yeah, just like you same. see every single pore of like, and things, I mean, it's so gross. So sorry to go into like the physical details, but like stuff comes out of your pores. Like even if yeah. it's not a spot, it's skin. So like you're going to get quote unquote, like the reward of picking, if yeah. you see what I mean? So that it's like a never ending cycle. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to pick a spot. And like, I'm going to get the satisfaction of having picked that spot because it gets to the point where you don't have enough spots to pick. So you just start going yeah. at your skin, you know? But yeah, exactly
1: that. The and struggle. you're <laughs> eventually getting stuff out there that needs to stay in the skin. <laughs> like yeah. I feel very, I have dermatillomania as well, but I'm also like very into skincare and it's very interesting yeah. kind of marrying those up and recognizing like, I'm don't do as I'm doing, do as I say but like yeah oh, I'm the same. that's been another personally. one of my like
2: coping mechanisms actually where in trying to turn the destructive behavior into like caring behavior mm. so I'm the same with skincare and I mean it's been a bit of a rocky road because I've spent so much money that I don't have on like these
0: portions yes, the I've hoped will be like
2: <laughs> my my great savior but and um, you know they obviously never turn out to be but it is nice to kind of try and turn that behavior into something that's like doing yourself some good
1: mm. Just being nice to yourself for a bit, it's nice. Mm -hmm. And I hope that people, like, you
2: know, dermatillomania, it's such like a specific condition. But I think all of us who are anxious have our ways of trying to get it out or trying to release that tension, you know, whether it's picking or something else. So I, I do hope that people can kind of relate to it, even if they don't suffer from like skin picking themselves. It's just, I guess, one iteration of how these anxiety gets itself out basically so
1: this is goodbye from mentally so go away enjoy your day get on with all your chores from mentally mentally
2: mentally 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 yours mentally yours
1: If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, you can give the Samaritans a ring on 116 123. If you like Mentally Yours, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at MentallyYRS. We
2: also have a lovely Facebook group, which is just called Mentally Yours.
1: And if you really liked us, you could do us a massive favour and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated, uh, helps us, you know... Continue doing what we're doing. So please do rate and review, and check back in next week for more mentally
0: yours. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Giggy Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello.